right, welcome back to the Super Centex Podcast, talking Central Texas high school football. With me, as always, are Chad Conine and DJ Ramirez. Dang, and Eddie Van Halen. And Eddie Van Halen behind Chad's shoulder. And the Big 12 on, on DJ's shirt. She's rocking Howdy. the Big 12. So, uh, good to see y'all. Uh, so, let's jump right in, guys. Uh, it's a bye week for a lot of teams around the state. I think I read something like 34% of the teams in Texas. Naturally, a lot there's a lot of six-team districts. That's the way the UIL likes to do it in a perfect world. Um, and so, those districts tend to take their bye week before starting dic- district play next week. Um but we've still got some good, you know, maybe I won't say good. We've still got some games on the board. <laughs> Let's not jump ahead of ourselves. We'll be able to fill the paper on Saturday. <laughs> yes, we will have some games. Uh, how good they'll be, we'll see. Uh, out of our local teams that are playing this week, who do you guys think most needs a win and, and why? Wake I'll let Ohio. DJ take this one first. Wake Ohio? They just need a win in general. Yeah. Um, I think Midway as well, kind of building up from, you know, last week. And yeah, you I know, mean, I don't know what else can I say? No, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, kind of crazy. It's September 28th today, right? As we film this. Mm-hmm. And most, if like most of our schools are halfway through their regular season schedule, you know, we're going into week six of the high schools and, you know, the NFL is just getting started. College feels like it's just getting started. And, and, you know, some of the teams have played a couple of district games already. Uh, and so you've had five games of like sort of season development. And I think one interesting team in that regard is the Conley cadets because they started out three, and know, and got into the state rankings and now, now all of a sudden they've given up 50 points in back-to-back weeks and they need a turnaround. They go to Springtown, which is no slouch. Springtown is two and three at this point, but it's played a very good schedule. Uh, so Connolly, I feel like needs a win. And uh, there was one other in that, in that sort of category that I identified a minute ago. Oh, the Robinson Rockets. I believe they won their first two and have mm-hmm. since lost three in a row. Uh, so, you know, they would definitely like to sort of build on the momentum that they created earlier. And at Waxahachie Life, that's one of those tweener programs, I feel like. They're not a powerhouse. And like, like I mentioned, Springtown, they're no slouch. So uh, that'll be a big one for Robinson. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think those are good answers, all of those. Uh, I will also throw in, to me, so this is the game DJ's going to. And low-key, I think it may be the most entertaining game of the week. It certainly doesn't jump off the page in terms of um, their records or anything. But McGregor and Troy, uh, they're both sitting at 1-4 one, uh, one and four on the year. They're 0-1 in district. And I think both of these programs, and there's probably a lot of teams that go into the season, right, with – hey, we're going to make the playoffs. You know, we feel like we can make the playoffs. And uh, I would say the Bulldogs and the Trojans are two of those teams, you know, trying to get in that, at least that top four in that district. And um, 
you know, it's one of Calvin Klein's lesser known sense, but desperation. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's what really, you wear, right, Bryce? <laughs> I, I have a wife, man. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, I think that when you have desperation, it is a great motivator. And I think these teams are going to be desperate for a win. And one of them is going to come home, come out happy and, one of them less so. Yeah, I mean, we haven't even got to October 1st yet, and, and the team that doesn't win that game, uh, the team that wins that game is going to have a fighting chance for a playoff spot, although, you know, Rockdale, the Rockdale Tigers are going to be in the mix for fourth place there. It's And I kind of feel bad kind of fr- framing the uh, – the standings in that district already because they've barely even gotten started. But I mean, when you look up at the top and it's going to be Cameron and Lorena and Franklin, you know, up there at the top, then that's, that leaves a pretty brutal fight for a fourth place. You know, yeah. I mean, Academy Lorena's no guarantee at Academy this week. No, it's not. It, uh, that'll be an interesting game for sure. That's the one you're going to. Mm-hmm. And uh, it would be pretty wild to think of Lorena potentially sitting here next week at 0-2 in district. But right. as you said, the bees, the bees can sting. So we'll <laughs> see. Uh, yeah, I'm bringing the cheesy stuff today. Uh, you know, we got to we got to up ramp up the entertainment factor. Um, so La Vega, let's talk about the La Vega Pirates. They bounced back nicely from consecutive losses to Midlothian Heritage and Lorena with a blowout win at homecoming over Dallas Roosevelt. A win, I think we all saw that one coming. Um, so the Pirates are a historically tough, very physical outfit. This is going back to the Willie Williams days. They've carried that on with Don Hyde as their coach. Um, so perhaps being backed into a corner is exactly what La Vega needed. Could you see this team rolling off, I don't know, let's say nine wins in a row, which would put them in the regional finals in the playoffs, which is a nice run. You know, I mean, that's a couple wins away from state. Do they have that kind of capability? What say you? I think they'll have a hard time against China Spring. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, <laughs> they, they got Waxagashi Life. Uh, after this week, which they play Yoakum this week, and then China Spring, then Alvarado, then Stephenville. So, like that, the end of district will definitely be a little bit tougher. Mm-hmm. Um, if they can get past that, I think, you know, in the playoffs, they'll do really well. So, you know, La Vega, I don't know that there's another program in the area that loves the us against the world mentality more than the La Vega Pirates. Yes. Yeah. And um, I think that's fair. You know, they have a really have a chance to get their legs under them and then go into that China spring game with a full head of steam and, and you know, has the potential to be a great football game. Uh, and whoever wins that one, I mean, you got. You still have Stephenville left, or I don't know when is when is the China Spring Stephenville showdown? Is that coming up pretty quick? Uh, we'd have to look that up, but uh, they China Spring plays San Antonio Cornerstone this week, and not I'm not sure on hey, on the Stephenville matchup, but 
Yeah, I mean, you're talking about two defending state champions in that La Vega district in Stephenville and China Spring. So those games, mm-hmm. it, it probably will be hard for China Spring to roll off a winning streak like I'm talking about. But You mean La Vega? I mean, La Vega, excuse me. Yeah. Sorry, we were talking about La Vega. Uh, but as, as you said, Chad, I do feel like uh, this is a team that – a program that embraces that – sort of us against the world thing. You know, um, there's a sports writer, used to be at ESPN, he's now at The Ringer, uh, Bill Simmons. Really all he does now is podcasts. He hasn't written anything in like forever, but he always used to call it the nobody believes in us uh, Mm -hmm. idea, you know? And I think La Vega, you know, um, well, I was talking with Don Hyde before the season and he actually was already using that saying, hey, Look, everybody's talking about China Spring and Stephenville. Nobody's talking about the La Vega Pirates. And so he was already using that as motivation. And so uh, we'll see. Um, you know, I don't think this is obviously a vintage La Vega team, you know, that we, we're used to seeing. They already have more losses than than we're accustomed to seeing La Vega. But, you know, they've played some good teams too. So um, I, I feel like, you know, the China Spring and Stephenville games are going to be tough. I think they'll win against Alvarado and Waxahachie Life. And, you know, can they make a run in the playoffs? Maybe. Maybe. Now, by the way, uh, that that district sets up, sets up perfect for television because on October 14th, you've got China Spring La Vega. Mm-hmm. And then on October 21st, you've got China Spring Stephenville. And then on October 28th, you've got La Vegas, even Bill. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of builds for sure. Um, so guys, as wild as this would have sounded a couple weeks ago, I honestly think that the game of the week is the one that I'm going to. Um, and that's midway at Harker Heights. Um, so the Panthers exploded offensively last week. A lot of big plays in a district opening win over Hutto junior Thornton, who we've talked about here on the podcast, he accounted for uh, six touchdowns. He had uh, three rushing, two passing one receiving on a a very well executed trick play on a fake punt. Um, I know you guys haven't had the chance to see midway. Like I have this year, Chad covered them once, uh, but what are y'all thinking? So forget just making the playoffs. I think, you know, that's certainly in play when you're 1-0 in district. Uh, can the Panthers compete with the likes of Harker Heights and Temple, who are their next two opponents, by the way, um, and also sort of the favorites in that district? I mean, so could they contend for the district title? What do you think? DJ, you want to jump in there on that one? (laughs) Um, I'm never going to say no one ever has a chance. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, obviously football is not baseball, so it can't be like, oh, anything can happen because obviously there are really good teams that are obviously, you know, going to, you know, they, they execute. So they produce, um, I mean, Midway's got spunk and they really want it. And so I'm not going to say, oh, Harker Heist is going to beat them, even though Harker Heist is currently four and one. And, you know, 
same with Temple. I think they have a chance if they execute. Yeah. So, yeah. Chad, what, what do you think? I mean, you really have to apply midway for uh, they fell behind against Hutto, right? I mean, Correct. maybe yeah. even by double digits mm, was or it just a touchdown. Yeah, I think it was just a touchdown, but uh, I'm trying to, I'd have to go back and look, but uh, certainly it was back and forth early. Right. And when you're 0 4 and you're behind at home and, and maybe at a game that could go either way, uh, to be resilient and fight through that. And, and apparently they've really found something, like you mentioned with Junior Thornton at, at quarterback, that, you know, that that could breathe new life into them. And Harker Heights has, you know, historically not been an insurmountable opponent for Midway. They've played each other in a lot of district games over the last decade or so before Midway went into that district of doom. And so I, I'd be surprised if Midway wasn't at least competitive. And, of course, they're going on the road, right? It's at yeah. Harker Heights. Yeah. At, at Leo Buckley. Uh, but, you know, that's somewhere that Midway has played a lot. Now, uh, in, in particular, Jeff Hume teams didn't seem to play particularly well at, at Leo Buckley Stadium. They'd go into games that they should have won easily and limp away with like a, like a three-point win sometimes. Uh, against Colleen one time I, in particular that I remember. But um, I really think Midway has a chance to gain some momentum and – you know, those kids kind of be like, hey, we're still here. We're still midway. Uh, and and it, I feel like, you know, in a way, it's a pivotal game because if if Harker Heights beats them, then it's then they're a really big underdog against against Temple next week. So, um, yeah, I would say it would depend on the way Bar- Harker Heights beat them, maybe. Uh, right. Right. So I'll obviously address this with a, a fair amount of institutional knowledge having seen many right. times, but uh, so they're going to, ha- first of all, to answer my own question, can they compete with these two teams that they're going to play the next two weeks and potentially compete for a district tri- title? I think they can. Um, one thing they're going to have to do is play better defensively. And uh, so that game against Hutto, I don't know how how much y'all were able to follow it, but uh, it was big play, big play, big play, big play, big play. And uh, they were just trading these, you know, long touchdowns. Um, And then the second half came, and Midway got a couple of really key defensive stops. That helped a lot, obviously. And then the other thing they did, I thought to me this was as big as anything in the game – was they went on one of these three-yard, four-yard, two-yard, one-yard, five-yards kind of long clock-sapping drives, right? It took seven minutes off the clock. It kept that explosive huddle offense off the field. And I asked Shane about it after the game, and he's like, yeah. Uh, You know, when it's big play, big play, big play, everybody's just waiting for the big play. But he said, when when it, you're able to what he called churn it out, uh, that's when the other team goes. And the way he s- described it was, they go, "Whoa, they're good," you know, because they're they're starting to establish something. You know, what I totally you get what you're saying, and it brings up something that I observed over the weekend that has to be mentioned on a football podcast. I have to bring this up, 
because people don't value short running plays and 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 like smash mouth running plays right i sit in the stands you know and i've been sitting in the stands more this college football season than ever before you know or at least since i was a little kid and all you ever hear the fans say is throw the ball down the field throw the ball down the field and people are actually complaining, you know, that oh, all they ever do on first down is run. They only run on they'll run for one yard on first down. Well, you have to you have to run like some of the time. Otherwise, the defensive line, they're going to come off the ends with with no hesitation, with no slowdown. And they're going to be coming after you every play. So you have to run. And it, even if you only get one yard, you still got to get try to get that one yard, you know, and you and you got to. Why do you do it on first down? Because you got to stay ahead of the chains, right? If you can get one yard on first down, you're one yard ahead of the chains. If you throw an incomplete pass on first down and then you try to run on second down and you get one yard, then you're in third and nine, mm. you know, and that's a that's a terrible place to be. Yeah. Uh, so people need to understand that when your team runs for one yard or two yards, accept it, accept it as the cost of doing business. It's the exact same as when your pitcher is ahead 0-2 in the count and throws a waste pitch, right? Yeah. You got to keep them honest. No, that's a, that's a great point. And that, I, I still – I feel like Midway won the game with that kind of slow-churning drive uh, because Hutto is standing over there just twiddling his thumbs. I can't get the ball. And, um, yeah, I mean, and it wasn't anything, you know, huge. They didn't gash him for a lot of yards. But I think you make a great point, Chad, and certainly – second and nine is better than second and 10, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Because second and nine, you can get to third and five a lot easier. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Offense is a process that, that not very many football fans uh, really grasp, you know? Yeah. I I will also mention one other thing about Midway. So after the game, big win for the, for the Panthers, they're on the board. They're one and oh in district, great start to district. Uh, against an explosive Hutto team. And I go down and uh, Shane always does an interview with uh, the radio first, uh, Craig Smoke, they're doing their broadcast and their games. I listened to a little bit of that. And uh, then he went and talked to the team. You know, he told me, Hey, I'll catch you in just a second. And I'm like, that's fine. And, uh, uh, and he, then he came and talked to me and a recurring theme in all those addresses, both on the radio, both to his team, and both and, and to me, was where he was talking about the naysayers and what the naysayers had said about Midway and yada, yada, yada. And so you talk about a team that's embracing that us against the world kind of thing. And, and it, even in the course of the, the interview with me, he goes, uh, you know, all, all the naysayers, they were saying, he said, uh, he said, like, I didn't even pick up the paper today. I don't know, even know if you picked us. And I said, I did. <laughs> and he goes, okay. And he just kept going, you know. And I noticed also after the game that he went and flexed on Twitter to an earlier tweet from mine from early in the game where I had put Midway versus Hutto, and it was 0-4 versus whatever Hutto's record was, and 3-1 and or whatever. And he replied to that tweet, and said Midway is one and zero in district. <laughs> and I was like, "Well, yes, Shane, they, you are." I didn't even respond, but but uh, I love I do love the flags. But at the time when I wrote that tweet, they were zero and four. <laughs> yes, I know. I, 
I guess I was one of the naysayers because I was the only one that didn't pick him against Hutto. I guess, but I think he's, I, you know, I think he heard a lot about the fact that they were 0-4, and, and I think he truly believed that this schedule would prepare them. And mm-hmm. so it was a little bit of validation, and I can understand flexing when you when when that happens. I mean, it's like, okay, look, we are good, you know? I mean, so uh, good for Midway. Um, all right. So I wanted to get to this question last week. We'll talk about it this week instead. Um, So I was talking with Mike Cadell. Uh, Chad knows Mike. Um, He's a fellow top golf leaguer. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Probably has a better physique than anyone out there at top golf, I would say. Yeah, but. That doesn't mean they have the best scores. Oh, ouch. Uh, so, Mike, uh, former uh, Axtell head coach and now has coached at La Vega for several years as an assistant coach. And he introduced me to a platform with which I wholeheartedly agree during this conversation that we were having. And that is that the Frito Pie is the be-all, end-all, greatest high school football concession food. What say my panel here? Do you agree? Do you disagree? And if you disagree, I'm going to need what you say is the greatest high school concession food. DJ? Um, I feel like Frito pie is the same thing as nachos. You're just, re- you're just replacing the chip. So It's but got chili you, on it. You can put chili on nachos. That's true. You can. You can. Um. I mean, it is pretty good. I can't think of anything that would. That I went to I went to high school in Louisiana, and our principal used to cook concessions for us sometimes. So we had some pretty good burgers and wings, and sometimes jambalaya. So <laughs> jambalaya at a high school game—that's that's stepping it up your game there. Yeah, it was more for baseball because his well, his son played both football and baseball, but um, it was easier for baseball because. You know, not everything as always comes back to baseball. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I could go. I could go for some jambalaya at a game. That wouldn't be a bad go. Yeah. Now, I. I don't know. I miss Cajun food. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. I. Uh, to me, the perfect concession stand food, in a lot of cases, is the sausage wrap. I was going to say that's a good one because it's portable, because, right? It's real portable. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's con- it's convenient. It's tasty. You can get a couple of them, you know, it's like, mm, I'm kind of hungry and I need to get th- through the end of the game. You know, I got to get, I got to get all the way to deadline. So give me a couple of sausage wraps, you know, but, but it, it, is, it is such a ghetto Texas thing. It's like, <laughs> uh, what can we do with this tortilla? Hmm, let's put a sausage in it. That sounds good. Mm, right, right. But I will say I don't know who back, came up with the sausage wrap, but it's kind of genius in a trashy mm-hmm, way. Mm-hmm. But 30 years ago, when I was in high school, and that first cool snap would hit and be looking forward to going to the high school football game. Because as a high school student, I never missed the game. You know, I didn't play football, but I was always there. Um, when that first cool snap would hit and we'd have a road game. I would just sit there in class and daydream about getting the Frito pie that night, you know? Yeah. So here's to me where the Frito pie does elevate itself. Uh, 
if you can find the people that are still giving you the Fredo pie in the bag, where they, I knew you were going to say that, where they cut the bag and they use that as the bowl, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and then you get like it's really hot and cheesy, and you get the little plastic spork sticking out of it. I mean. That's as good as it gets, man. That's good stuff. And you get like Frito pie all over your face and your clothes. You look like a sports writer, you know. <laughs> so I yeah. like a little bit of jalapenos in my Frito pie, though. Too. Yeah, that's yeah. a good. That's a good call. That's a good. Yep. Call. All yep. right. So everybody, go enjoy your Frito pies this week, and uh, we'll see you guys at the games. Sounds good. I think I will have a Frito pie this week. Sounds good. Yeah.